and welcome to the Quarantine Film Club. I'm Mike. I'm Kurt, and Alex was supposed to interrupt you and didn't work, but never mind. Uh, for, for those unaware, or for those questioning what's happening, this will be on the same stream as uh, the podcast Elite Cadre, but no one's getting any games of anything wargaming in at the moment, so we thought... Because we're talk- not allowed. Yes, we're not allowed out, hence the Quarantine Film Club. Um, oh. But... One thing we have done a lot is talk movies on previous episodes of the show, and people seem to like that. Um, so we thought we'd sit around, chat what we're watching. Um, no new cinema releases, because we can't go well, to the cinema. Uh, we can't go to the cinema, but there are still things that, are, that were new that are still being gradually released in other formats. So Yes, kind we, of. We, yeah. we, we are getting uh, the magic of new film releases straight to digital, which is a, a brave new world. Um, although I've not gone for any of those. No. So, uh, um, right, so who, who wants to pick a movie to talk about first that they've seen recently? I can go with what I watched last night. Go on then. I, I watched Parasite last night. Ooh, okay. Mainly, mainly because you mentioned it last week, and I realised I hadn't watched it yet, so I got on and watched it. Okay, okay. Because I don't like being left out, so I got on and watched it. Um, and um, I was expecting it to be good. I was not expecting it to be as good as it is. Um, yeah. From the opening shot, from the opening, I've never seen focus change to and fro between near short short distance and mid distance and back again works so well the shot the opening shot is through a basement window out into the street and it's like the focus is on like this lamp things hanging from a lamp and then it goes out to the street comes back to the lamp and just very very impressive brings your attention back to what's going on the things you can't see the conversation you can't see going on around you and then back out to the street to take your attention back to just that was an impressive start. It just got better from there, to be honest. It's really good. Yeah. I think, just for a, a quick mention, uh, Parasite, in case you don't know it, uh, is a 2019 Korean film. Um, I, I, I could cut to Okay, It was the film that won Best Film in the Oscars this year. Yes. It carry on, isn't it? And directed by Bong Joon-ho, um, who also uh, did Snowpiercer, uh, if you've seen that one. I did not know that, but I have seen yeah. that one, yeah. Yeah. Um, did not so, know that. So... I went, and, I went and watched this film, uh, I think it was a couple of months ago now, um, and I was I was also similarly very impressed with it. Um, it, it deals with this um, sort of a lower class, lower income sort of Korean family and their relationship with um, a much more high class uh, or at least more wealthy family. Yes, very much. Yes. Um and the way that they uh, hmm, earn from, exploit, live off of, yeah, that of the family. Well, but the, 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 but, ti- the title but, itself is a wonderful play on words because yes. it's the whole thing of who is the parasite on whom Indeed. and how many meanings that title can have. There are a couple that are very spoilery, and like you, you know, you kind of need to um, if you've not seen the film really do because some of those revelations are, are quite nifty would it be worth uh, highlighting where said films are available i don't think parasite is on netflix or amazon is it parasite has only just um i believe hit streaming sites in the uk uh, and when i say streaming i mean streaming to buy um, yeah 
So, oh, in fact, it's on Google Play. It's still on pre-order. Um, so I, I have a copy bought from the US Google Store um, because I know how VPNs work. Um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're they're cheaper over there. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, but it, it should be coming to UK stuff fairly soon. I'm sure it'll be on Amazon to buy or something imminently, I think. Yeah. Not really. Once the pre-order Yeah, no, cool. looking at... Uh, yeah, it looks like it's due for release on the 1st of June in the UK. Ooh, st- still, still a few weeks away then. Um, yeah. But... Um, no, there's, there's, so it, it's a film that's got a lot of interesting attention, attention to detail in places as well. Uh, one of the things, and this needs kind of context, uh, there's a point in the film where uh, um, one of the, 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 the richer family asks someone uh, who's working for them uh, to prepare a meal. Yeah. And, and that meal is something called Ramdon, which, unless you know the context behind it, doesn't really do anything but what it is is it's a combination of two different kinds of cheap korean instant noodles but with very expensive steak oh but the, yeah, the steak kind of gets added as they throw it in wasn't it but yeah yeah i think i think random the steak is an add addition even to that isn't it but it's yeah it's it, it's the combination of and it's almost like it's a ramen. It gets talked about as ramen as well. So yeah, that, it, it, it is Korean ramen. ramen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you watch uh, Binging with Babish on he, on yeah, YouTube. That's exactly yeah. where I know that from. If you don't know about Binging with Babish, it's a, a YouTube channel that deals with um, a lot of the time creating dishes from films or TV shows, uh, but also does a lot of basics series like doing uh, cooking of various dishes. So, well said, that Mike. I couldn't have said that better myself. You know. So, Parasite as well is a film that's very kind of concerned um, with, and this is a very strange thing to think of, but height and angle. Yes, I can see what you mean. Yeah, it's, um, uh, yes. There, there is a um, an interesting scene, I think it's about two-thirds of the way through the film, uh, where you're dealing um, with the, uh, the lower-class family going home. Yes. And you see the, the rain starting and it, uh, you know in the richer neighborhoods it is uh, like a beautiful sort of gentle pitter patter of rain yeah but then you see them head down through the city and it is this it is a literal descent into hell it's um, torrential it's 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 destructive it's yeah yeah um, i do uh, i can't help but wonder if repeat viewings will definitely reveal more uh, more intricacies, more layers of, of yeah, I suppose of the metaphor, or I think it just you get you know you watch something that I mean, um, Shea Caruth's movie springs to mind. You watch something and you go, I know there's more going on, but I don't know what it is. And then you watch it, you watch yeah. it again and again and again. I mean, Prime is probably the biggest one for that for me personally. Where where it, you the more you watch it, and even I've watched it six, seven, eight times, I still get more from it every time I watch it. Yeah. Or see something new. Yeah, oh, I think this will oh, be definitely. like that. I think part of it is cultural as well. Um, yes, obviously. Yeah, we, yeah, we missed stuff. Yeah, but there is an awful lot there that I think, having seen it once so far, um, I kind of want to go back to the beginning and go, "How much of this can I see coming? How much of this can I? How much of this are there signs that it's going to happen beforehand?" Um, for for um, foreboding, or yeah, for, yeah, um, because shadowing. Yeah. yeah, there's an awful lot of things that I think you possibly could pick up on earlier, 
but that's that's very much open to interpretation. Um, I do. But say also, that- also, I think there's more. I think there's more thinking about what you said about what who who are the parasites, and you can arguably say everyone. But yeah, that's a bit of a cop out. But um, but I'm wondering if it, if if that element, that cultural element, is in it earlier. And yeah, I just I think there's a lot more going on. Yeah, I, I think one of the things as well is it sets that scene so well by at the start the entire family is there um, trying to earn a living by folding pizza boxes in their yeah. home but there's a fumigation van that is fumigating the neighbourhood that's coming round and as it gets to the house someone goes to close the window and the father of the family says no don't we'll get free fumigation if we leave the windows open yep and that is that's- a real scene setter for where that movie is yeah because it's gross and they, they start and then they choking but they still watch out the window yeah yeah um, it's that, really good that apartment as well is it, it, you know it tells you everything you need it is a tiny tiny the apartment. bathroom alone tells so much about it doesn't it oh uh, the fact that they have to have the raised toilet on a platform because yeah, otherwise it, any... otherwise it wouldn't work with the sewer system yeah yeah too low, it's, yeah. Um, no, it, it, it's it's a phenomenal film. I mean, I, I went to watch it um, on a day. I, I, I'd had a bad day, and I thought I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to go and see an, what is not not now an obscure film. Um, it had just won the Oscar, but it's like I'm going to go and watch something foreign language so it, at 10 p.m. It feels um, like an obscure film. Yeah, it, it, I suppose because because anything of that ilk anything or anything of Korean or anything like Chamble Park or any of his films yeah yes they've been remade in, in, as American movies now several of them anyway um, I mean obviously um, Old Boy springs to mind but um, as, as the standout of of sort of Korean cinema that we have access to or easy access to but yeah so it, I suppose my brain goes it's obscure but of course it's not because it won the best film Oscar it's yeah yeah Exactly. But then it, how many people do you know who would be willing to give a shot to uh, Korean cinema? Because, I mean, I'd be willing to bet it wouldn't be an awful lot. And yes, having having subtitles there does take you slightly out, but it is the tiniest bit of attention for some people that you've got to pay to kind of get subtitles. Yeah, my gateway to Korean was definitely horror. Yeah. Oh, okay. Speaking of uh, Korean horror, um, I'm actually watching at the minute The uh, Kingdom on Netflix, uh, which is a, a series. Uh, well, it's, it's now got a second series on Netflix. Um, and I'm not sure the specific timeline, the specific sort of year it's set, but it's, it's set in Korea uh, shortly after the Japanese sort of invasion and, and sort of rule almost. Um so it's very heavily kind of Japanese influenced, but it's it's a zombie horror. I don't know yeah. what you call it, but um, I'm only I'm only sort of started watching it. Only up to the second episode so far, but I I have that problem of a it's it's sort of horror and b it's it's foreign language. So my mm. other half is is not at all keen on it. So I'm sort of having to <laughs> grab an episode here and there where I can, and they're an hour long each. So it's uh, yeah. But, well, that's, um, that's a bit of a task then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely worth watching. But good, I, uh, I haven't seen that. I see this. I, I'm intrigued by that. I might have to check that out. But yeah, and it's, it's interesting as well because it, it's very early on. It kind of alludes to how 
the the sort of the zombie uprising occurs what what has caused it to happen and it may well be as we go through it that that is proven not to be the case but it's also quite nice that it's not just oh it's a virus there's kind of a, a reasoning behind it and yeah but it's, often it's most unless it's Giorgio Romero there usually is a reason or something kind of causes yeah yeah but often I mean like Walking Dead I mean again I've not seen a massive amount of Walking Dead but I watched I've the watched- first couple. I've watched up to season six. I've watched most of it. Well, uh, yeah, but, the first couple of seasons I've watched, and obviously at the end of the first season, they they sort of go to the CDC and you know discover the the the, the cause, but it's not really much of a cause that they discover other than it's a you know a, a virus of the brainstem. It's yeah, you don't really find out properly, do you? I agree. No, no. When you said so they it, find the cause, I'm thinking I missed that. I don't remember that. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> for, for most zombie uh, based. TV shows and movies, it really is best if you kind of a lot of time don't try and explain too hard, because yeah. If, yeah. if if you move into the science of zombies, you suddenly run up against all these reasons why this really shouldn't work. Um, <laughs> and it's probably best if you just kind of patch over those holes and go, "Oh no, this is the thing that's happened. Guess we better live with it." I mean, it, and it, it's it's not impressive. I think there's another sort of fairly big uh, Korean film that deals with uh, zombies in uh, the Train to Busan. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not seen it, but I am aware of the film. Yeah, again, I haven't seen it either. But yeah, not not one I've seen uh, because I I don't um, generally go in for sort of zombie stuff anyway. But uh, it is uh, I, uh, I do, but I haven't watched that one. Yeah, it it is uh, very well regarded. Um, so there's that um, any other thoughts on uh, Parasite then uh, watch it when you can it's good yeah it's, been yeah. My, um, it's, it's worth the effort it's definitely there's more there's a lot more going on there's a lot more it's worth the investment and the time and the effort yes it, it, it definitely is um, I think the same film if it had been made um, in English language would still be if it was made the same I think it didn't. It wasn't a a token gesture win for the Oscars in any way. I would say it mm. really is that good. Yeah, I, I can. Aside from like, there's a uh, there's a couple of references you'd have to tweak if it was English language. But, oh yeah. And hmm, I was going to say societally, you'd probably have to tweak it, but I don't think you no, would. No, I don't think you would. No, I, I think you could definitely make it British and make it work. Definitely, but I yes. think Americans too. You could play race a bit harder if you did it American without trying to offend anyone. Yeah, uh, almost certainly. Uh, but I, I can see that sort of quite literal upstairs downstairs mentality uh, yeah. w- working very well in with some aspects of British culture. Oh yeah, because you could definitely play the who are the who's the parasite. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that that. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, actually, what what I could do uh, then is move on to one of the films I've watched in the last uh, couple of weeks, um, which kind of well spurs off that idea, if not necessarily that uh, context. But uh, I watched Attack the Block. Oh, I like that. Um, so, Attack the Block is a 2011 film. Um, is that old already? <laughs> What's yeah. happening? Yeah, it's 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 nearly a decade old. Shh. <laughs> I don't know if you you will remember this. We'll, we'll come back to it in a moment. But it's kind of is, is relevant because it's potentially getting a TV series. But the Eyes and Horn books um, that GW released, the Inquisitor ones. Yeah. Do you know when they were released? 
Go on. Well, one of them was released in 2001. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's back there with the Gaunt's Ghosts novels. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it is old. Anyway, Attack the Block. Um, Attack the Block is a very British um, alien invasion movie. Uh, it was directed by Joe Cornish of Adam and mm. Joe fame. Uh, produced by Nara Park from off of Slate. It was Space, Space Black, Black Books. Books. Like Hot a, Fires is probably the, the Yeah, one. A, a load of those kind of British comedies. Um, and with a cast that makes you go, huh, when you see it, because it's uh, John Boyega before he got big. Um, it's got Jodie Whittaker before she was the Doctor. Um, it's got Nick Frost, who is basically in everything with Simon Pegg. Um, and I've only just realised the soundtrack was by Basement Jacks. Interesting. Um, it's set in the council estate, South London. And the big defining thing about this alien invasion is that the initial reaction is not, ah, let's run away. Because the alien lands in front of a, a group of, like, um, London youths. <laughs> a, a street gang. And their first reaction is, it's an alien. Let's kick its teeth in. <laughs> I just like your your interpretation of that. It's fantastic. Yeah. <coughs> I could do it better myself. <laughs> um, it's, it is an hour and a half of... I'd say very British, but I think it would be approachable by anyone. Humour on an alien invasion, coupled with like some pretty decent action sequences, some very good practical effects in the aliens themselves, which, full credit to them for having guys in suits playing aliens, but not looking entirely like guys in the suits. It's a good representation of that kind of inner city life and confining the entire film pretty much to one tower block. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's hilarious. It has so many levels. Um, yeah. Did, is, do you put your eye or do you write it? Or have uh, I got that wrong? No, it's uh, Joe Cornish. It is? All right. Yeah, Joe Cornish wrote and directed it. Yeah. All right. I thought, um, yeah, it's just, it's really good. As you say, it's just more of the same of, of the kind of, Similar humour to Hot Fires and those kind of things to my mind, but very different setting, a very different cast and story. Very good. Yeah. The, the whole sequence with the kids tooling up to take on the aliens, it just has some beautiful moments in. Because one of them walks into I mean, what is a, a, like a gaudily decorated flat. I mean, you, you kind of know the type. They've like, you know, got those deep red walls and like bits of gold trim everywhere, despite the fact it's a council flat. Um... But then on the wall is just a rack of swords. And nice. he walks up, picks up the middle one, walks away, and then goes, nah. Walks back, gets the big sword. This is this is perfect. The whole thing um, has a, a wonderful sense of humour with this... It's, it's a community and it's not. It's a whole lot of people who are literally locking themselves away from each other but are also very tight with each other when trouble comes and it's also a film that does not have a essentially a big damn hero in it it's got anti-heroes but it doesn't have that sort of central 
good guy. John Boyega, kind of, but he's hardly the hero of the of the movie. No. Well, given that the first thing you see of him is him uh, basically holding someone up at knife point. Yeah. Um, it it's got something very interesting. I mean, it, there is the whole question of does that redeem him as a character? Is is he actually that bad in the first place, or is it society that's put that on him? It. I mean, it does. Even though that's not the main focus of the movie, it does very much have that undercurrent, and it drops things in about this is his home life. This he is just a kid, and yeah. it, it it does do more with that than you think it would for like an eighty-five minute film. Uh, that's you know got very much that kind of an ensemble cast. There's a lot of people in that film. I'd forgotten how many until somebody um. I heard somebody talk about Jodie Whittaker having been in it. I was like, "Well, really, where?" Yeah, because because we look at the cast again fairly recently. Yeah, no, she's uh, she plays a nurse, I believe, in it. Yes, trainee nurse. I think so that's yeah. the one. Um, so yeah, that, that's right. Because I made the joke of ah, she's had a promotion. She's gone from a nurse, nurse to, to doctor. No, a nurse to the doctor. Nice. So, no, not only a promotion in that sense, but a promotion in the definite article. Indeed. See, see, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, it's it's a film that's been available um, well, pretty much on every uh, purchasing streaming service. I don't know whether it's on Netflix. It's been on Netflix, certainly. It might be still. It's definitely uh, been on. Netflix. I think it is. It is on something for free at the minute. We were having a look at it the other night, but uh, decided against it. I'll just have a look at now what it's on. Um, obviously, this is in the the UK, um, so other territories may vary. Yeah. Oh, definitely they uh, will. Will. Uh, it is on Amazon Prime at the moment. Attack the block. There we Just go. Just when you start browsing Netflix when you're on a VPN and go, oh, I can watch Indiana Jones, and then you realise you can't. Well, 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 that's... That... Well, you can. You can, because the BBC have shown it recently, so it's currently on the B- on iPlayer, but yeah. from UK point of view, but showed all of them recently. But... Fifth Element is currently on Channel 5's on-demand service until the 29th of April. Ooh. So if you, if you fancy watching Fifth Element, that is something we watched recently, actually. Uh, I saw it, that it was on there, and I was like, yep, we're going to have to watch it. Right, that, that, that has to segue into the Die Hard discussion. Is Fifth Element Die Hard 4? Ooh. <laughs> Ignoring 4.0, because you should. But, yeah. um, or certainly the one after that. Um, actually, I don't dislike 4, but... Is Die Hard, is, is this element actually a Die Hard movie? That is interesting. I'd never heard that contention before, and now you've put it, so, in, my, put it in my brain, it, and it's kind of whirring away. I like it. It isn't, that's not Mike. I didn't make that up. So if you've never watched, um, if you, never, you clearly haven't watched movies with Mikey on FilmJoy or on YouTube. Um, and now I, have, I can't believe I haven't told you about this before. He's amazing. He comes with really interesting insights. There's a whole episode about. Um, Die Hard versus Fifth Element is Fifth Element actually a Die Hard movie? Every element that belongs in Die Hard movies is there. It's awesome. No, I can I, I can absolutely understand that. That that works it's too well. More, more than I care to think about. For the, for those not aware, uh, Fifth Element. I, I, I feel like it needs to go without saying, but whatever. Uh, Fifth Element is a film from 1997, uh, directed by uh, Luc Besson. Starring Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich um, and Gary Oldman, because you cannot remove his performance from that film, despite the fact that no, no, 
despite the fact that he doesn't meet uh, Bruce Willis at any point, um, which is always an interesting one to think back on. I can which think- also fits with other Die Hard movies yeah. as well, because very often he doesn't meet them. If he does meet them, it's at a distance right at the end. Yeah, and, he, and he's very brief, shortly before an explosion and a witty yeah. quip of some sort. Yep. I, I can absolutely get behind that. that, 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 that that's good. Um, Fifth Element is a film that I, I kind of... I always look at it and think, this this is like a sci-fi action movie that Terry Gilliam would make. I know it's a best on film, um, but it feels like there's a there's a hint of Gilliam there. It it has is that a deliberate is that a deliberate segue? Because if it is, I like it. No, it's not a deliberate segue. I, I'm not I'm not going anywhere other than just to say that it has um, some excellent practical creature effects um, because you know, again. I do like the whole guys in suits, animatronic faces. A lot of the time that can work and has a very physical sense that see the badly done CG, and this is 1997, so... Um, what, would, what was done well in 97 was spaceships and not all of else. Yes, absolutely. You could argue dinosaurs, but go back and watch them. Mm, that, that one, oh, we, we can talk about that later. Um, but Fifth Element is a big, gaudy brash loud film um, that is an assault on the senses for a long while but I, I've really the first time I watched it I didn't really get it oh okay um, I was I, I was only young you know I was only like 14 um, but I'm not it, going into that conversation with you <laughs> how old was Kerr when First Element came out no <laughs> older than that yes Definitely. Older than we are both now, I think. <laughs> cool. That's a bit harsh. Um, I, it should be said that Fifth Element is not without its controversy. It re- did receive nominations uh, for the Razzies. Uh, wow, for being so bad. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's definitely one that you have to get the humour um, and, and you have to get that this is just... This is space fantasy. We're, we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and give you explanations of the tech. We're gonna say this is a you know a rip roaring adventure with a weird cameo from Lee Evans like halfway through oh, the film. It's such a good cameo. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many good cameos in that though. Ian Holm, yeah, he's in it as well. Never um, yep. without my permission. I can't do it without his stutter. What is that about? <laughs> He stutters doing it, and I can't help but do it. Yeah. Uh, what what I would good. say as well is it has um, managed to worm its way into almost everyday life around here, because if someone wants the light turned on, the, the words they say are, as is, light! Multipass. Yeah, Lilu Dallas multipass is always a classic as well. Um, um, I think the, the humour element is interesting, especially now he's also made a film from his influence, so um, the element was massively influenced by Valerian, the series of Valerian graphic novels. Yeah. Um, Luke Besson has, has, has said that he was a massive fan as a kid, um, was hugely influenced by them. Um, and they are, to read, I've only read the first one, but they are campy and silly and funny and um, very influenced themselves by classic Buck Rogers and, um, and um, Flash Gordon, but old, old black and white Flash Gordon. So, yeah. It's, it's that kind of um, silly space humour 
that is it, that we don't see much of generally now. Um, well, I, I, mean, I, I watch I Star Wars is kind of part of that as well, but we tend to yeah. ignore that in Star Wars in a little strange yeah. way. Oh no, S- Star Wars over time, people have seemingly demanded, um, you know, it, it must be serious. It must be a a grounded reality. And like, n- no, this. Have this, you seen the arguing droids in the desert at the start? For yeah, out loud. Th- this is a series where teddy bears save the universe. I mean, come on. Um, but no, I, I, I watched uh, and then, Valerian. And then eat their victims. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not going there. But, yeah, but yes, that is the implication. Um, very important. But yes, um, I watched uh, Valerian to go back onto the, you know, a topic of uh, the film we were just on. Um, and all I'd heard from it um, was that it had, it had been roundly rubbished by basically every single critic going. Um, so it was only released in 2017. Uh, it's uh, Dane DeHaan and uh, Cara Delevingne, uh, written and directed by Luc Besson, and from, as you said, the uh, French comic uh, Valerian. And, and massively so crowd, practically crowdfunded by Luc Besson. Yeah. So to get it made. He, and he t- I had to say, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I do too. I, I, like I sat it. there watching it's like, there's almost no coherent plot here for a lot of the film, but I'm absolutely fine with Luc Besson going out and going, here are all the mad things I wish to put on screen. Because frankly, that is him. It is one of his most entertaining things. He has like Leon down one end of the spectrum. And then right at the other, there is Valerian. You wouldn't say that the two films could be made by the same director, but I, I absolutely loved Valerian for that. I realised that you know, if you don't get that style of film, you're going to hate it. It's two hours of your life you won't get back, and you will hate every single second of it. Um, but if you want, it's, it's it's hardly hard sci-fi, is it? Let's be fair. Oh no, definitely not. If if you want something that's fun, has a little bit of campiness to it, is a riot of colour and sound and everything in between. Tries to make sexism ironic and doesn't quite manage it. <laughs> yeah, that's. Hmm. I like that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I've just seen it's got Clive Owen in it, and I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played in it. He's a, he's like their boss. He's the general kind of guy. That's their boss. Oh yes. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, and Rutger Hauer. Huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. He's the president, isn't he? Yeah. He really, kind of appears at the beginning, sort of presenting and narrating right at the start. Yeah. Um, I, I've just looked up um, kind of how much money it took and not enough to be profitable. Um, no, no, even though it was all kind of, yeah. Yeah. So it, it was made for roughly $209 million. Box office was $225 million. Um, yeah. Which, you know, people think, oh, that's profitable. Like, no. <laughs> Marketing is not part of that uh, figure. No, it's not. So. No. No, I enjoy it. I like it a lot. I've watched it a few times. Uh, I yeah, watched it with the children as well because I really enjoy it. It's fun. Oh, interesting. Wouldn't, what, what? wouldn't necessarily recommend the comics though. Those really are out of date. Watching Valerian with children. Now there's, hmm, yeah. Hmm. So this segue into Valerian wasn't the segue I thought we were getting. I oh. thought we were getting a segue into Brazil. We will. <laughs> Give us a minute. <laughs> we, 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 no, look, you have known Mike and I how long? Well, you know, you can be talking about something completely unrelated. We could segue anything to Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, editing, editing. However, Brazil is actually on Amazon Prime as well at the moment. So, 
Oh, okay. If you fancy watching it, it's there. Well, if, if we're going to... Oh, I, I think that's whatever version that they have. Whatever version they have to hand, I think. The shortest, I expect, now and then, but yeah. Uh, yes, probably. Um, Dude, what's but, the short one's rubbish? Watch a version if you've got it available. Yeah. yeah it's uh, although the same thing does not apply for Blade Runner, and we're not going into that conversation. Um, um, <laughs> I, I, um, I like... I like having watched all the versions, but I like the final cut best. But yeah. I like having yeah. watched the commentary. I don't want to watch the commentary. I don't, not the commentary, the, the um, monologue. But I like having watched it. So the version of Brazil that's on Amazon Prime at the moment is the two-hour 23 version. Oh, that's, that's quite good. Mm. I don't know if that is... is that's, the, that's one of the middling ones. There's four cuts of Brazil. That's not the short original cinema release. And that's not the super extended because that's nearly three hours. That's I'm genuinely surprised it's that low with Terry Gilliam. Genuinely surprised. So it's not the final. The, the original cinema release was just inside two hours, I think. So that's not the original release. Yeah. Uh, what I would say, without getting into heavy discussion on Brazil, because yeah, let's do that. That can that we, can that can wait for another time. Well, um, I, I, it feels like something we should talk about on our first episode of this, but we could do our whole episode uh, now, practically. Yeah. Okay, no, okay, fair enough. We, I tell you what we could do. We could always talk about Brazil in some form. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I like that better. Just eke it out over two years, yeah. ten minutes yeah. at a time. Uh, yeah. what, I, what I would say for Brazil is, if you do get the chance to watch it, please do go and watch it, because it is... It's Terry Gilliam, almost in his purest form as a filmmaker making something that on your first watch you will be confused by and possibly be annoyed by but then delighting at the end before going wait hang on wait 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 so robert de niro was a terrorist plumber <laughs> and that's a minor character yeah a, a terror a, a terrorist plumber assaulted by paperwork yes so, misspelled uh, by, by yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's 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 do this uh, segue properly, shall we? Um, he says, having to go to the disambiguation page for Brazil on Wikipedia. Um, so, Brazil is a 1985 film directed by Terry Gilliam. Um, yes, I was the member of the podcast that was born before it was made. So was I. And just. I was nearly three when that came out, Um, which is a fancy way of saying I was two. Um, It's set in a very 1984-ish world. I have heard it said it is the film that 1984 should have been. I think that's fair, actually. I think it's fair, too. Yeah. It's not my line, but I I agree with it. Um, It stars Jonathan Price as a low-level bureaucrat, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, civil um, service-y kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and in Holm again. Oh, that's interesting. Um, you've got some um, some interesting uh, performances in there from uh, especially Michael Palin. Yeah, yes. His uncle or something like that. Uh, Who appears uh, to be younger. That's a very, uh, very uncomfortable role in that film. Yeah, it's um, And it, while it's dealing with this strange dystopian future that is... <laughs> It, it is both. It, it is very oppressive and weirdly opulent in places, but 
completely cut back in others. That's it, very 1984 as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's also dealing with this absurdist dream world that Jonathan Price has inside his own head. But that's because his um, life is so grey and is so repetitive and is so mm. dull that that you get that escape into dreams element of of, of trying to say. In a way, I can't say who he is, but also kind of metaphorically, potentially, depending on how long you want to talk about it, yeah, what he wants to be. Yeah. Who he wants to be. Well, the, the whole sort of dream sequence with... Uh, it's, it's Jonathan Price growing wings, sailing through the skies with the woman of his dreams, but then fighting off a giant robotic samurai. It's... It is a wonderful trip into the odd, but not the oddest Terry Gilliam has ever been. No, um, definitely not. No. Um, and, uh, v- again, very much worth your time, because it, it does... I mean, the, the more I think about it, the more I go, oh, yeah, no, that is just the plot of 1984. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and having read the original book... I, I would say this is possibly a better version of it, but if it sees further, it is only because it stands on the shoulders of giants, as it were. Yeah. So, uh, in- interestingly, the quoted running time on Wikipedia is uh, two hours and twenty-three, which is the same as Alex said. I think. Yeah, that's the only running time they list. Oh, it's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Criterion box set with four versions of it. I bought a Blu-ray version, which I think is one of the extended versions, but. Um, I haven't yet watched that version yet. I intend to possibly very soon after this conversation. Not today, yes, but next few days, I think I might watch it. I was going to say, we're, we're recording at sort of uh, 10 p.m. at night. Um, so watching something after this um, is not uh, necessarily the best of ideas. Um, not a film. Not a film. Not Certainly not a long film. No. Yeah. Sorry, I've, I've just noticed in the, uh, the Wikipedia article for this main cast, um, Jonathan Price's Sam Lurie, but followed by... Tom Cruise was also considered for this role. You <laughs> <laughs> did not do that. If, New trivia on Brazil. Well done. If true, and I do put rather large emphasis on that, if, that would be an extremely different film. Yes. It's like the, 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 the people it suggests as alternates for um, Jill Layton, who is sort of the... the the the, uh, the female co-star. Um, well put. Well, well worded. I wonder where you're going to go with that description. Yes. Where, where else was I going to go with it? Oh, the, the various facets of her character. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. That's not me being inappropriate, I'd like to add. It's not. The, uh, the consideration was to either have that be Jamie Lee Curtis or Madonna. Okay. Uh, okay. I mean, in fairness, in fairness, this is a film that has, that has Robert De Niro as a a supporting character. Yeah. Arch- there are many of those. Archibald Harry Tuttle. I can never remember if he's Buttle or Tuttle. <laughs> he He's definitely Tuttle. Tuttle. Good. Yeah. Um, and does that role brilliantly. Very. <laughs> it's like, His entrance you- is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> just just looking down that, that cast and just seeing, you know, Ian Holm. Jim Broadbent. Bo- uh, Jim Robert, uh, Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He's class. the legal plumber, isn't he? He's the he's the yeah the official. Yeah, but th- then you get down to like like some genuine British character actors like um, Gordon Kay as well. 
Uh, well, he crops up into see, he crops up in Jabberwocky briefly and various places like that. I, I think it's primarily because Gilliam does or certainly did a lot of his filming in and around the UK. Um, so you do find British character actors with like a sprinkling of Americans just kind of add some flavour to the dish. Add some ratings. <laughs> Potentially. Uh, to get the film sold to studios, I think would be more important. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, yeah. Did you uh, check on the Wikipedia article the budget to box office? No. <laughs> oh, that is the saddest number I think I've seen. So I do recall, before you do that, I do recall that the, the release was delayed by was a, more than a year. And in the end, Terry Gilliam took out a full page ad in the Times, which was blank, just had it in the middle of the page. When are you going to release my film? That sounds very familiar from what I've heard. Yeah. No, what is it? I can't. Remember. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, it is. So, so the budget was fifteen million dollars. The box okay. o- the box office for North America was ten million dollars. Ooh. So that is uh, hmm. That it could it could be said to have underperformed at the box office. Isn't? Didn't it come out the same year as Top Gun and things like that as well? Then didn't it or something like that? Very close to it. Quite possibly. I don't know what year Top Gun is. But no, it might be eighty-seven. Actually, be here. But, Close, but. Uh, 1985. Well, I'm searching up for 1985 in film because that uh, usually brings up some some gems. Uh, 1985's highest grossing films: uh, Back to the Future, ah. Rambo: First Blood Part Two, okay, Rocky Four, The Color Purple, Out of Africa, Cocoon, Jewel of the Nile, Witness, The Goonies, and Spies Like Us. Excellent. Uh, this was awesome movies. But obviously you can see that Brazil would have won Best Picture if it wasn't for Colour Purple, obviously. <laughs> um, it's certainly an interesting year. I mean, having, having being, being a sci-fi film in the same year as Back to the Future, that's, that, that's kind of tough. Yeah, it's a big ask. Yeah. So... Look, I, we've done films now that, that, that Kurt and I have seen in terms spun off from those. Alex, have you watched uh, anything interesting recently? Um, well, not that cultured, unfortunately, but uh, we recently took out um, Disney Plus membership. Yeah. So I've been re-watching through all the Marvel films. Okay. So we're uh, currently just watched Spider-Man. I, think. I know Spider-Man's not on Disney Plus, but we watched Spider-Man. Uh, on Blu-ray. Is that Homecoming or Far From Home? Homecoming. Homecoming is what we're on to tell me. I've actually not never seen um, Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. <gasps> so oh, my I know. God, for a treat. The, the, it's the, good. The, the, two, the two best, regarded as the two best films by a lot of people in the, in the whole series, two of the better ones. Uh, I've not seen either of them. So, uh, yeah, we've got uh, Doctor Strange, and then I think it's Thor, then Black Panther, or one of the... I can't remember exactly which order we got it on a uh, got a link for the. I don't know if you can find it. I don't know if it's possible for you to find. It's hard to find things in Facebook from long ago, but Kevin Kev Bryant's comments on Facebook with regards to Black Panther that will always stick with me. It just they were they were so bad. It was so hilarious. Did you see Mike? Do you remember seeing it, Mike? I don't remember. He just he liked it. It was good, but I don't understand why they had to push the uh, the racial elements so hard all the way through the whole film. <laughs> He got lambasted all the way down, all the way down through the comments. It was like he tried to take it back, 
It just and then no. tried to correct it with "I'm not a but," and you're like, oh. "No, mate, just breaks, just <laughs> back it up, back it up, just don't say anymore." No, um, that's yeah. that. That is not a fun place to go with your comments on that uh, no. on that movie. Um, but no, no it's all Ragnarok. I, can't, I couldn't recommend yeah. it enough. It's just so funny. It's more. It, it isn't necessarily that it is the best. It is just the funniest and so entertaining. Well, Thor Ragnarok, um, just just things that musically manages to capture that sort of eighties big, colourful. Um, it's it's certainly it's got a very different tone to a lot of the other Marvel movies because it's just it's trying to move more towards that Guardians of the Galaxy side of things. It's saying, "Hey guys, it's not just about." Um, Superheroes fighting on Earth. It's about silly intergalactic hijinks, um, and uh, yeah, not not going too much because you said you haven't seen that one yet. No, I, not seen I, it. I, 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 I just, I, do you know, what I just did. I just went. You know what? What it, what it really should have had is it should have had a cameo by Sam Neill in it. And I was just saying that to myself as a joke. And I went, wait a minute, it has got a cameo by Sam Neill in it. Just thinking about the hunt for the world of people, Tiger with TT's previous, well. Obviously, there's other films he's made, but that the um, amusing other film that he made shortly before, and um, thinking about Sam Neill's presence in that, and thinking mm. Sam Neill should have been in Ragnarok. Oh wait, he was. He's a very small cameo. Do you know what? I've completely wiped that from my mind. See where uh, where Loki's having the having the theatre performing in front of him. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just be aware. Not a spoiler. Not, not, not a seen spoiler. It. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to get on that. So, what, what did you no, say? No. You said the last one you'd seen was uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, yeah? yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, so Spider-Man: Homecoming. Um, I don't know that was that was an interesting one because so, that was. Yeah, I like I mean, it. It wasn't Spider-Man's introduction into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, no. But it was his first solo film of the the Cinematic Universe. Um, I and uh, and it had a Batman actor playing a bad guy. Which I love. Yes. Yeah, yes. I, I I actually thought he was the best part of that film. He's awesome. Um, I always love Michael Keaton. Michael yeah. Keaton is just great. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> Oh, oh, there is there is one film where I take issue, Matt, but we'll we'll save that for another time. Which, um, which film is that, Mike? Uh, Birdman. Oh. I, I have issues with that film. Let's do that another time. That's a yeah, long conversation. No, that, that is definitely a different conversation. Whenever you know, I know Michael Keaton has a, a large back catalogue. I know he's been Batman. He's been, you know. Full he's done a lot of comedy movies. Done a lot of hammy comedy movies. Yeah, but I will. Whenever I see him now, I will always just think of TLC lyrics because of the other guys. Have you seen that one with yeah, uh, Will yeah. Ferrell and Matt Damon? Just, nope. Yeah, I mean that. I, I I think that's funny. I think that's a, a cracking film. The other guy, I liked it. Um, yeah. But it just that that sort of humor where he's just quoting TLC lyrics without realizing it, just as kind of life advice to people. Right. He's, okay. He's he's just none the wiser to it. Um, <laughs> just it uh, just makes me chuckle. Just uh, uh, that is kind of my my style. Of humor. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'm a Neanderthal, so. No, that, that's fair. If that's your style of humor, that's your style of humor. That's that's <laughs> absolutely fine. There's there, there's no judgment here unless you like bad movies, which you know. Um, I like some bad movies. I think everyone likes some bad movies. There's, yeah. there's a line to be drawn where how bad they can be. Um, um. But um, Spider-Man Homecoming, I, I I certainly enjoyed Michael Keaton's performance, but the, the problem I had is I felt the, the film was too slow. 
the point where this got to me, um, and mild spoilers if you've not seen it, I guess. Um, it's been a few years, but I can can't safely say. Uh, the point where he's locked in a warehouse. Oh yeah, yeah. And he himself gets bored in the film. <laughs> um, that that could be yeah I agree I, I don't think the film in general is is in generally slow in general slow and takes too long but I can't argue with that that bit I'm not quite sure what that bit achieves yeah I mean I, I think I think I can see what it was going for in that it needed it needed an explanation for how he would had time and space to play with those powers and work out not the powers the the suits um, abilities and work out what it could actually yeah. do it it could have been a montage. I mean, it practically was after that point, but it's the point where he where it gets to him getting bored. I've just realised something. God, doesn't he call the the AI Karen? Yeah. So his so his suit's AI is a Karen. I hadn't yes. actually realised that. Uh, okay, mm. fair enough. Yeah. Um, I got that I, joke. <laughs> I don't. I don't get that reference. Yeah, I don't think I want to explain it. <laughs> anyway, um, what I would say is. Um, I kind of enjoy it slightly more retrospectively having seen Far From Home, um, which I'm not going to go into because you've not seen that yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a, a Marvel movie that's you know it, it's 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 up there. It's a very watchable film. Um, I wouldn't say I think I have to put my hand up and say that I'm I'm not impartial on the Marvel movies. Um, I. I struggle to find fault with many of them at all. And I like movies, and Mike and I have talked about movies at length in the past, yeah. both in person and on podcasts at, for, at length. Uh, I think probably because I was such a Marvel fanboy as a kid that, yeah. um, yes, some of the recent X-Men outings of Apocalypse is is awful. It could have been it just... Uh, and Phoenix has good and bad moments. I'm not going to say X-Men 3 is better. I can't say that, but... but <laughs> oh, X-Men 3 being better that, than but, anything. Mm. But however, the everything that's been piloted that's part of the current MCU are really strong. Even things like Thor, Thor 2 seemed like it was the poorest of them. Until you watch Endgame and go back to it and you go, oh my God, I actually really enjoy this. Okay. It's, yeah. And just, just as part of the whole piece, you mean? Yeah, well, just because it references it so heavily hmm. and then you go back to it and watch it through and it's... And it's of its own, on its own sort of standing, it definitely is is not the best. I, I um, think I think Thor the Thor the Dark World has its moments. Um, yeah, it's it's not a terrible film, no. uh, but I think I think it's certainly one of the weaker parts of. I quite of the like episode. the way that they tried to take them away from just big superhero films and tried to give them more, so they were they were specifically something else. Um, yeah. They were. Um, yeah, there was more to them um, without. I, they were trying to be other genres without just without superhero movies being a genre of its own because it is. It doesn't really work as a genre apart from being part of sci-fi. It doesn't quite have yeah. work. Oh no, they they definitely do try uh, as part of the series to actually differentiate between um, the various uh, films they're putting out. I think um, you, you get things like uh, the first Captain America film. Yeah. Which, which was definitely very much kind of mostly a period piece. Um, and it was my least favourite for a long time. It is one of my favourite of the whole bunch, but I know why that is. Because it's directed by, and I can't remember the name of the director off the top of my head, so you'll have to excuse me, uh, it's directed by the same person who directed The Rocketeer. 
which was... Oh, so I like The Rocketeer, but I don't, I'm not a huge fan of First Avenger. One of my favourite films of my childhood. So getting to watch, essentially, that person do another um, like superhero origin story, for me, that was fantastic. I know a lot of people like Winter Soldier more. That's fine. I can see why. Yeah, I do. Like I prefer Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I really love Captain America, the first Avenger, because it just gets the feel of everything that should be there right for me. Um, having watched the previous Captain America film as well. Uh, oh, yes. I, I watched the, the, the slightly low budget produced in Italy. Um, <laughs> It can get worse. You could try watching the previous Nick Fury film. <laughs> oh, it's not with Hasselhoff in. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. No, that's white hair and eye patch. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, well, that's it's the thing that that Nick Fury before um, before the Be MCU was a uh, was a well in the comics. No. No. I've seen. No. For no, most okay. of his most of his comic life, yes, he was he was a middle aged white guy with grey hair yeah. and eye patch. Mark Miller, when he wrote, when he reinvented him for the for the Ultimates, yeah, um, I can't the artist. Quite, I can't quite, quite reach my copy now, but there is literally in Ultimates a scene where they ask Nick Fury who yeah. should play him in the film, and he yeah. says Sam Jackson, obviously. Yeah, because the artist clearly based the his design on Samuel Jackson, and then they, then he they got him to play him. It's just perfect. Yeah. That, that, like, um, well, if you actually read the Ultimates, and I wouldn't suggest yeah. reading all of it, there's only certain bits of it that are good, and also it's Mark Part Mill. one and two, part one and two, I think he stands up, and um, but beyond that, I got yeah. it. It's, it is also Mark Miller, so like, um, certainly controversial figure within comics can only write comics certain ways, has a certain taste. We won't go there too so, far. So I think you could. I think you could quite happily argue that the Ultimates, as in not the other spin-offs, the other X-Men and everything else, but the Ultimates, definitely, there's a level of homage to Watchmen, for me. Uh, He's taking yeah, a lot yeah. of... And, and, and also, it was pretty much inspiration for the, the this iteration of the MCU, with a, mm. cu- with a couple of tweaks here and there. I mean, they have... They've, well, rever- you know, I, they've reverted like- Wasp to something else, but uh, go on. So, so the uh, I think it's one of the opening as part of the opening scene of Ultimates Two. Um, they rip off uh, throwing Banner out of a helicopter for the, the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk movie, where he just goes, "I'll just aim, I'll just well, I'll just get me near it and I'll jump." And they that's what they do in Ultimates to, to unleash the Hulk because you haven't seen the Hulk properly by this point, and they just throw him out of a, he's, he just he's compliant, but they throw him out of the helicopter and he, he becomes Hulk just before he hits the ground, which I quite like. Yes, sorry, you made me think of a, a previous conversation with me from today where we we're discussing uh, Tim Roth because he's in uh, at least one of the yeah. Hulk movies. Incredible so. Hulk, yeah, the um, the, the same one, yeah, but Norton film, yeah. That, that, those two films, uh, Hulk and Incredible Hulk, kind of blend in my mind in a very strange way. Because They're I, quite I, different. I don't wish to remember really either of them. Um, I like Incredible Hulk. I, the CG's a bit over the top and, and stuff, but I like what they did with the characters. I've been a big fan of Hulk. It had a bit of gothiness going on in, in the story a bit as well, I found. I, I like what they did. I like what they were setting up. I like where it could still go. Um, yeah, I... I've read quite a lot of Hulk. I've read more Hulk than I have General Avengers. Okay, that's, 
That is yeah, interesting. Like, I like Hulk. Uh, it's, it's especially especially Garth Ennis. Garth Ennis wrote for a long time. Uh, go create preacher and characters other things, but yeah, pretty good. Okay, okay. Well, I, it's I th- interesting. Yeah. I, I think in in future episodes we could, we can go back to your uh, your journey through the MCU, Alex, and see where you mm-hmm. uh, where you're up to. Um, yeah, and uh, just just make sure that you're uh, sticking to that path and uh, getting all the way through. Then we can have opinions on Black Panther. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll move on to another film that I've watched uh, in the last week or so, uh, which I don't think is quite out in the UK yet. It will be soon. Um, and that was 1917. So I saw that in cinema as well. This, this was an interesting film. Um, it's the first film in a very long time where I've got to the end of the film and I've just had to have 20 minutes sat down, just kind of breathing and thinking and trying to get myself back to a place of balance because um, I absolutely loved this film, but it is by no means an easy watch. Um, yeah. So for those not aware, it's a 2019 film directed by Sam Mendes. Um, it's got, uh, I think, the the the... the, the, the there's like a main group that it follows who are uh, relatively unknown actors at the time it was filmed. Yeah. Uh, but does have um, a lot of uh, strong British like character actors backing them up. Uh, you've got Colin Firth in there, Benedict Cumberbatch, Mark Strong. And frankly, any film is improved by the presence of Mark Strong. Agreed. Um, but it, it deals with... It, it's got an interesting... And it's not a gimmick. It's got an interesting setup in that it is a film told in what is effectively appearing as one shot. It is presented as one continuous shot with one arguable moment where that may not be true. Yeah, there's the, I would say there's two obvious breaks. But, yeah. but at that side, yes. Yeah, it's, it's presenting it as a contiguous piece. I think, I think it's interesting to segue briefly to the conversation i think you you were involved in as well on facebook where where um a friend of the show conrad was talking about it and said that he got broken out of the reality of it because it felt too much like a first person shooter game Which and, is, I think it, I, and i didn't find that but i could see what he means it's an interesting comment i, I can sort of see where he's going with that um i'm not i i, I don't agree uh, no no i didn't find but, that at all but, but yeah, i could I, see how it how it it is that it is that intense. It is that kind of yeah. Yeah, but it. I think. I think that the word you've picked there is exactly right. It is a very intense film because it's at all times keeping the camera within a few feet of where everything's happening. You know pretty much as much as the main characters do. You don't know what's happening at headquarters. You don't know what's being prepared for elsewhere. But the whole plot of the thing is that. Um, Two soldiers are called in to meet a general, and he says, uh, yes, uh, we have to uh, stop this attack going ahead here because it's clearly a German trap, as seen from these aerial photos. Um, but you need to get there, and you need to get there by tomorrow morning. Off you go. A bit more of a personal element, as in it's one of the one of the two of them. Yeah. His brother is in that unit as well. It was that kind of buy-in yeah. with them it, as well. Yeah, so it, it does become, we need to get there now. Um and it makes it clear 
just from that, that one diagram of like you will be crossing what is what or was possibly we don't know the german front line you will have to go through no man's land and race to these people because there are 1600 lives on the line and it follows that journey so closely through barbed wire and bullets and explosions mm. but on the flip side it also follows it through calm peaceful almost tranquil looking places as well yeah and it's it's very effective at ratcheting up the moment very well and and very and slowly so you don't quite feel it until the tension is really on top of you um it also has a great way of and I have to go back to what I said to a friend when discussing this. Um, it's not... It has violence in it, but it's its not pornographic with violence. It just deals... Yeah. It deals with, this is trench warfare. This shell hole might be full of half a body. And that's yeah. it. It, it, it. It makes that statement clear. It says, war is horrible. This is appalling. But we need to deal with this like they dealt with it. And we just need to get on with this. Um... The, the, the one thing I would say is that if you are feeling in need of a nice, happy, light-hearted movie at the moment, <laughs> be, because, you are, be, because you are this locked... This is not it. Yes, because you are locked at home, uh, 1917, very much not the film for you right now. Um, but I... It, it's one of those few films where I knew it was going to become like a top film of mine before it had finished because I felt so involved in what was going on. Do you know what I felt? I did I felt I felt involved. I felt connected with the characters and I loved the cameos with the coming because they're very strong characters for the most part when when you when you see these these um, yeah. character actors as you say. Um but I found that that it didn't really get me. It didn't wrench into me until he opens his little tin and looks at his photos of his sister and his mom and, and the little notes on the back of the photos. That that was the bit where I, that was the, the humanity level, which is quite near the end. The humanity just, just it really grounds because they've gone a long way from where mm. they started, and it it's just that kind of I don't know. It's hard to kind of it really that that is the moment the characters. Yeah, that is the moment where the film is giving you permission to breathe again. Yeah, because yeah, or, or other things. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, I mean, I so there's a there's a point just before that where um, at that point the, the, you got to be careful spoilers now yeah yeah. The, the person who's involved is told what you are about to do is suicide don't but he knows he has to otherwise he won't make it to the place he needs to be on time yeah and that point where you see the first real pull back of the camera as something happens and how this character is pushing to get where he needs to be that's the point where it, it broke me and I, I just started crying at that point because it was it was so intense good. and there was so mm. much pressure um, we have actually had a, a, a question from someone listening to the show, hello Rich Dean um, a name that will be familiar to some people who listened to us previously um, and it asks, uh, since you've talked 1917 do you have any opinions on Grave of the Fireflies? So, um, 
for, for, for people unaware of Grave of the Fireflies, it is um, a film set in the Second World War uh, that deals with the aftermath of um, <laughs> part of the aftermath of the war in Japan. Um, it's 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 dealing with uh, I think children who've uh, lost their family. Um, I I have read the synopsis. Um, I have not been able to bring myself to watch that film. Um, I haven't watched it either. So th- there are there are certain films like that where even beforehand I sit there and go, I know that's going to be an excellent film. I know it's going to impact me. I'm not sure I can get myself in a mindset to watch this because I know it's going to hurt. Sometimes it depends. On, uh, depends on the. Depends. I think you have to get in the right the right mindset, and sometimes yeah. it takes a long time to, to get there, doesn't it? Because I haven't yeah. watched it, although it's something that I was aware of, and um, and again, think I need to be in the right frame of mind to watch. Um, I think, I think, movies definitely affect most of us more emotionally, uh, or have a greater emotional effect on us as we get older. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Alex would agree, but certainly having children magnified that for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because suddenly you have this. There's a, there's a weight of something else to lose, I think, which is something that a lot of films will tie into, uh, or you'll tie it, you'll empathically tie into as well. So I think that's why Toy Story will make you cry, um, primarily. As soon as you're a parent, Toy Story rips you in half. It's just ridiculous. Even the first one, but especially the third one. I've <laughs> yeah. not even watched the fourth one. I was going to say that the third one is pretty emotionally draining as it stands. Oh, um, it has got Totoro in it, though. has got Totoro in it. But yeah. Um, yeah, just Jesus Christ. But anyway, um, no, I haven't watched it. It's something I would like to watch. Uh, it, yeah, got to be in the right frame of mind or get myself to the right kind of. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's like with horror films. I think, I think I, I thought about something recently. There was um, I've caught up with Doc, the recent Doctor Who recently, and there was a really good episode where where she meets um, Mary Shelley and they talk about Frankenstein to an extent, kind of hypothetically, because she hasn't written it at that point. But her and her husband and Byron are sat around talking about. Um, horror ghost stories and horror stories and it's supposed to be the night that she conceives or actually writing it and um, it struck me at that point especially with the current circumstances that horror is almost a vice it is or it is a a decadence device we kind of don't want horror right now because even I like horror I watch a lot of bizarre all kinds of different things and although I have watched a lot of um a lot of the contagion, viral explosion, carriers, all kinds of things in, like, in recent weeks. I seem to have watched that for different reasons. I have not watched much horror, and I don't kind of want to, even though it's something I enjoy, because it's that's almost it's, that doesn't work as escapism when what you're living in are weird, strange, kind of scary times anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of part of why I haven't watched that either, because it's not really... Um, not the time to stretch oneself like that when when you have what's no. going on anyway. No, I um, segueing into things that uh, upset you slightly. Was watching uh, second season of Afterlife on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's so. Is good. it good? It is so good. I like the first um, one a lot. Yeah, we watched. it. I mean, it's only six episodes. We watched yeah, it yeah. In, in an afternoon on Saturday. Um, yeah, absolutely worth it. Definitely worth it. And there are some moments in that. Uh, where I, I, again, if 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 you've not seen it, it's not much of a spoiler. Uh, it's a Ricky Gervais comedy series where he plays a, a man whose wife has recently passed away uh, suffering cancer, and it's sort of his 
I want to say sort of a struggle to continue in life, but it, I don't know if that's that's really true. He sort of is is quite happy to give up, and he's just sort of it's his dis- say, dysfunctional coping mechanism. Yeah, some of that, yeah. But yeah, some of the sort of some of the, the realizations that he kind of comes to in the second season, and yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's well well worth watching. Well worth watching. It's, Somebody uh, asked him recently if it's autobiographical. Okay, I'm not mm-hmm. aware. That it is, but no, it's not. No, it still <laughs> posts pictures of his wife on Twitter yeah. and various social media, yeah. taking the piss out of her on a regular basis. So no, I'm yeah. pretty certain. Well, it's not because I saw him reply to that question. So it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you know, um, it, it's absolutely worth watch. Absolutely worth watching. First series um, is very good. Yeah, but on the series of, of watching things about uh, contagion and what have you, we watched um, outbreak. Uh, yeah, I watched that well. recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, back on Netflix. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's I've always liked that film. To be honest with you, I think it's uh, it's quite good. But yeah, it's, uh, I agree, it's very good. I, I finally watched the first episode of Killing Eve. It's like segue of catching up with stuff, and uh, I will now binge the hell out of it because we're going to watch some with my other half the weekend. Then we did get around to it, but I will uh, binge the Living Daylights out of that. I think in the next coming days because I, I was massively impressed I managed to avoid too many spoilers I didn't even know which one of them was called Eve yeah I'm not, I'm not allowed to watch that because uh, I don't have a TV licence so no BBC <laughs> for me why <laughs> anyway it's not good to that yeah because I'm cheap that's why no no I just uh, I don't there's enough valuable TV on uh, that's either live or on iPlayer to warrant I suppose you've, I you've moved into the space. realm of the cable cutter I uh, I value the BBC as an entity. I value BBC Radio. I value BBC te- Television. Um, so I'm happy to pay for it. Yeah, I, I get from that standpoint. I get from that standpoint, and it kind of came from a, a a part of my life when financially I probably wasn't doing as well as I am now. Um, and absolutely, you know, I'm sure could afford to pay for the TV license, but then at the same time, it's almost you know, I've gone the best part of two years without having a TV license, without watching live TV or, you know, iPlayer or anything like that. So, you know. I watch very little. Um, although in recent months, I have watched a lot more News 24 than I had in the previous 10 years. Huh. But um, <laughs> I'm not joking either. I've had, yeah, I, News 24 is generally what goes on briefly, but then I'll put something else on. But I live on Netflix and YouTube. and But, um, but then I have watched things like, a flea bag, um, which yeah. is which is what led me to. Uh, yeah, leave, and, 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 yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely stuff on there that I would I would really like to watch. You know, flea bag, one of them, killing Eve, another. You know, and I'm sure eventually we will get. Uh, yeah, get they'll they'll, they'll, license, they'll but... be on streaming services eventually anyway as well. So uh, they yeah, are. Actually. They are. Yeah, flea bag season ones on Netflix. I think. Oh really? Think so. <laughs> I, I watched. I watched one of them on Netflix and one of them on iPlayer. So I think one season one's on Netflix and two is on iPlayer. Oh, really? I think so. They're very different. They're very different things. So the characters, same humour, but she's different. She's doing dealing with different things in different series. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't think it's on Netflix. I'm just trying to quick look. I thought it was. Um, but maybe, I, it's on, I have, maybe it's on Amazon. Yeah, I have seen some of Fleabag. I was uh, over at a friend's house a few months ago. Oh, yeah, it's, it's on Prime. It's on Prime. Oh, Prime. I knew it was somewhere. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so we watched a little bit there. So I, I, I've, I've sort of had a taste of if you, it. If you want to laugh before you watch it, 
go on YouTube and go and find Donald Glover presenting um, the I think it's a BAFTA. Yes, to... no, I have seen that. You've I seen have that, seen that. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. It's just it's very funny. Him, it just talks about his first meeting at Fibula Bridge and and uh, then going home after meeting her and finding her far too lovely and it being really annoying. And then going home and what, expecting to watch her show and think it was awful. This was really good. Of course, it doesn't <laughs> think that at all. It's really good. If you haven't seen it, Mike, go find it. It's really... Okay. No, I, 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 to be honest, and this is, is going to sound incredibly out of touch with the world in general. Um, the only TV I've watched for the past two, three months, um, I've caught up on five seasons of 30 Rock and I'm into think season four of the Simpsons on Disney Plus. <laughs> um, interspersed with, and this is even more niche, so bear with me. Uh, interspersed with tank chats on the Bovington Tank Museum YouTube pl- page. Wow. Oh, oh, they have like a hundred videos on different kinds of tanks that they take ten minutes to review each one. It's so I had one of them come up after watching too much of Adam Savage, and it, it segued into tanks once. Oh. And and I grew up not far from that place, and I've certainly been there more than once. I don't need more tanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Everyone needs more tanks in their uh, life. The reason I go near that place is to get a monkey. Because Monkey World is opposite the Tank Museum. <laughs> I, I had actually given genuine consideration to when the lockdown is finished, going, yes, I'm going to have a day at Bovington Tank Museum. Um, it's a good place. It's, simulator's good. It's a good place. Anyway, side point. Monkey's, uh, monkey's opposite as well. Monkey's a good team. Uh, um, but like that is the extent of my TV viewing and pretty much has been for months. Um, maybe The Mandalorian at the end of last year. Oh, um, because I'm not a uh, vpn we uh, we're watching the Mandalorian at the moment. It's oh, good, isn't it? It's good stuff. So good. We've uh, the, the final episode is is out on Friday, so we're so good. Uh, we're almost there. We're almost the there. other thing, the other thing that I watched probably at cinema time and I have rewatched is Witcher. Yeah, it's, we watched that. It's good. I think I've watched Witcher three times now. I've, so, <laughs> I love so, Witcher. Oh, see now I have I have problems with that series um, because I, I I think that. Um, it, it can be a good series. Uh, when when uh, was it? Jaskier, Jaskier, Dendillion, whatever. Yeah, yeah. When he's there, when he's there, perfectly fine. Um, you mean the Bard, don't you? Yeah, he's got the um, original name, but yeah, the, the English, English translation books called him Dandelion because the word you just said means small yellow flower that looks a bit like a dandelion, but isn't a dandelion? Okay. Yes, but I, I've. I feel like I want to go up to the director of that show and just, whenever they set their camera up, just put it back to being, you know, level with the floor. Um, because half that show, I feel like I'm, I'm watching with my head tilted to one side or the other because they keep putting the camera at 45 degrees to the floor and it's just... It annoyed me the entire time. Um... And I feel like there's a really good show trying to get out of that show. I love it. It's just not there for me. Um, I think it just Henry, it got me. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Uh, I have no problems with it. He actually, he's one of the better parts of the show. Do you know? Do you know he was trying to be in that show before they had it written and before they had directors. 
I can. I, this is a man who is spending his quarantine painting Warhammer painting figures. Painting Warhammer, yeah. Um, I, I can fully believe that one. Um, yeah, he's. I saw an interview with him, and he was saying, um, he was on the phone to his agent, going, "If you phone them, well, phone them again. Phone them today. Phone them again." And when he <laughs> finally got the producer to phone him back, he was like, "Okay, so we haven't got." We haven't got it written yet. We haven't got a producer. Henry Cavill had played like Witcher Three, and he's like going, "I want. I'm. This is. I'm doing this. This is what I want to do." And he's like, "Yes, we understand that. Uh, we'll definitely keep you in mind, but we, we'll come back to you when we've got that far." And it's like, "Keep the pressure on. <laughs> keep the pressure on. Keep the pressure. Keep, keep, I mean, keep badgering them. Keep going for it." Um, yeah, that, that, I, that's fair. I, I really like it. I, I found none of it jarring. What's really interesting, I found, was the first two books are short stories and. Um, most of them are in that first series. Yeah. Um, most of the short stories. Um, the way that it combines the, the long arcs with the short stories, I think is really good. Um, I think the, the thing is, is a lot of time passes. There's three different sets of time going on at the same time. Yeah, that, that was the one thing that I wouldn't, was, wouldn't say was jarring, but was kind of a little bit... So the, 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 little girl, the little girl has about two weeks... Um, you've got um, Yennefer, Yennefer, who's about six, seven hundred years, and you've got um, and you've got Henry Cavill, um, who's even longer. Geralt, Geralt, yeah, it wouldn't come for a sec, but yeah, Geralt. So he's even longer. His timeline through the through those through those stories, and I would imagine the next series is going to be similar uh, because they haven't used up. They've only really used the first books worth of stories and the bits that lead into the 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 main five novels so they've got at least as many short stories to, to use again um if they want to and then they've got the blood of elves which is the first book it's interesting i've started reading them it's really i love it i love the whole concept of all of it i, I can't I, believe i've had it before yeah I, I will say i did play a, a chunk of the first game and it doesn't work very well. I'm told the third game is really good, but the first I've game I've started is... on the third one. I do like it, and I keep meaning to set us up some serious time for it, but time is... Not, I, I, I'm not being furloughed, so I don't have any <laughs> time to play. Yeah, yes. Some of us do have to find something to do with their days, uh, which may be why I've watched so many films recently. Um, okay. Um, is this then perhaps uh, a, a good time to perhaps start winding down the episode? Uh, do we need to do an any other business section in this? Because, let's face it, this has all been any other business. We, we could do we could do a hobby segue from film. Mm. Mm. Do we have as any other business? As in a little on bit. the because uh, playing the books, games, actually. Are they? Subject of books. One, one book I read recently. And if uh, if either of you two have read it, but is uh, Last Empire by Brendan Sanderson. Um, I, I know Sanderson's stuff. I've never read any of it. No, I haven't either. Last Empire is very good. Uh, Final Empire, sorry. Final Empire. I See, really can't even it. get the name of the books he's recommending, right? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But no, it was, it's a good book. Can definitely recommend it. Um, it's sort of one of those ones that you read, and, and as you read it, you think, oh, yeah, this would make a, a great TV or film series or, you know, whatever. But then actually thinking back on it now, I think a lot of what goes on in the book would be difficult to, to bring to the big screen. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's been kind of conversations that it's it's going to get a deal at some point for for quite some time now. But uh, yeah, as of yeah, it's it's not made its way. But it's, yeah, I'd say uh, Brendan Sanderson is sort of regarded quite widely as a, a one of the up and coming sort of fantasy writers around. So yeah, you, know, you never know. We may well see it uh, hitting the big screen or 
a little screen at some point soon. Okay. But it, things can take a long time. I mean, even oh, when they, yeah, even the deal was, I was thinking Altered Carbon was, what's that, was that 17, 18 years between the book and then the TV series finally coming out? Really? Develop, development hell is a very real thing. Well, it was, um, it was optioned. The reason that Richard Morgan became a full-time writer is that he got options very quickly. He got paid, and that's what enabled him to retire from, I believe, teaching, and then um, start writing full-time. And that's because of Altered Carbon got optioned really early on. Yeah. That's it. It's, you know, it's that concept, it is. isn't it? If you've got that well, concept, it's gonna be a, it was going to be a film, and I think it does. It would have made a poor film, or it could have been a series of films. But this, the, now that the long form, as they call it, to, you know, yeah. these TV serials, are now really are taking these big stories and doing interesting things with them. So, what what can actually be interesting occasionally is to look uh, at the list of things, the list of films considered to be in development hell. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so you, you got things on there like uh, Alita Battle Angel that was there for 19 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the the longest one I've seen so far is perhaps Beetlejuice 2. Oh, um, God. Which was commissioned in 1990, and the last time Burton spoke of it um, was in 2017. It was, it was only announced last year that that had been shelved. So that was uh, 29 years in development hell. Wow. Um, Deadpool was in development for more than 15 years. Mm. Uh, what else have we got on this? Well, that, to be honest, that only got pushed over the line because that little treatment bit got leaked, didn't it? Mm, yeah, that, that is the thing. It was uh, a kind of a pseudo trailer, not quite, got leaked, and it, that, it got onto the internet. Yeah. Oh, then. And I, and I think Ryan Reynolds was pushing very hard. Yeah, he was. Yeah. It's, it's actually got Venom on here as well, which is in development hell for 21 years. Yeah, I believe that. We heard about that a long time ago, didn't we? Yeah, 1997. We would have stopped believing it, didn't we? Yeah. Which, I, I would say just briefly, if you've not seen Venom, the promotional material looked terrible. The film itself, bizarrely like incredible. It. I like it, yeah. Yeah, I've not seen it. I've not seen it for I like that it a lot. reason. And I'm I'm wary of anything that's not MCU, um, as you would be right to be. Um, <laughs> I think if if we've proven anything, it's that um, Sony and formerly Fox um, had some, um, ha- had some interesting relationships with anything uh, that had Kevin Feige's name attached to it is worth watching. I don't know if that's... he was attached to Venom though. No, no, I don't think he was. No, no I'm meaning earlier. So what? What's he attached earlier. to then? So things like X-Men 1 and 2, um, there's only three Spider-Man movies, probably includes the third one, which I would avoid, but Spider-Man 2 um, and Spider-Man 1, I think his name's attached to both those two. Before the MCU, Ooh. before Iron Man, he was he was involved with a lot of more films than you think. Oh, I'm looking at some of these and going, oh, I'm not sure I trust oh, that wait, judgment. wait, Daredevil, Daredevil, isn't there? He's attached to Daredevil too. Uh, uh, he was attached to Daredevil and Elektra. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> All right, I, I'm about to shut up. I'm about to set that back. Um, let's see, Spider-Man 3. I don't dislike that Daredevil. I don't dislike it, but that lecture was awful. X-Men The Last Stand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two of the th- of the many uh, Fantastic Four movies. Um, the two Fox ones. Surprise the Surfer, the one before that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't attached to, uh, was it Fantastic or Or... Um, no. um, Rise of the Surfer isn't bad. It's not. I, to be honest, I found those two films fun. 
Uh, yeah. but I knew they were bad. And surfers are a very difficult thing to do with Galactus and everything else. It's just difficult. They're going to find that difficult. If that's what they're going to do for the next MCU arc, it's going to be hard now, let alone then. Their, their choices for Galactus in the 2007 Rise of the Silver Surfer film were poor. Um, I, I, I feel there is more you could do with that character. Um, yes. And, and, and to be honest, like if you want to know something interesting you could do with it, uh, pick up um, comic book series called Planetary. Um, I think it's called Planetary anyway. I, I'm gonna have to look this up now because I've, I've got the the omnibus all in one um, volume. Yes, so it's Planetary by Warren Ellis. Oh, oh, yes. I'm listening now. Mm. Um, it's a series that was designed as something of a breakdown of the superhero genre it's it's very much a an extension of something like watchmen but in a very different world mm-hmm. um so it, it's dealing with essentially a, a private superhero group um but there's an awful lot of things in there it, it deals with like an, an off-brand fantastic four but what would happen had their powers encouraged them to perhaps move into something that's more super villainry. Ooh. And it also deals with, well, let's take the concepts of their powers, not necessarily what the common perception of them is. And I can't really talk too much more about that without massively spoiling it. What's uh, it but, called? Uh, planetary. planetary. Yeah. I write that down. Um, there is there is a whole point where it took me a while to realise what I was seeing, and that was their interpretation of Galactus in that series. Um, oh wow! Really? So it is. It really is a kind of reimagined Fantastic Four in many ways. But but done by DC. Oh, who is that? Yeah, it's, I mean it's Wildstorm DC, but it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's off it off DC. brand kind of. Yeah. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I have I have. The omnibus of it, which is enough to kill a small child, it is. Yeah, I bought the first. I bought the first omnibus from Saga. I didn't more. <laughs> I love it, but it's a lot. Yeah, it's. You uh... realize you have told me this on payday, don't you? Oh, it's a bad miss. Um... <laughs> I was. I wanted a collection of those on day with the children around as well. I was crying with laughter. Oh, that's another bad miss. <laughs> the oversharing of the details of the players. Great. Oh, temporarily out of stock, right? I'm going to go look as well. You're, you're safe for now. I'm safe until I Google further, but it's not on Amazon. Yeah. What, what I would say is the Omnibus also collects uh, some of the side projects, um, one of which is... Uh, okay, it's an encounter with Batman, but, oh. uh, but Batman is not from their universe okay they're, they're meeting him at a fracture in reality right but but what happens is every couple of minutes this fracture in reality shifts so you just see as it changes from panel to panel a slightly different batman each time oh so it'll start off with like the 60s batman but then it changes angle and all of a sudden you're dealing with um you know something much more like 80s and gritty but then it'll move somewhere else in reality and you'll see something a d- different interpretation it's 
It's very strange. You've definitely intrigued me. I'm looking. Yeah. Uh, Warren Ellis is enough to intrigue oh, yeah, anyone yeah. for most comics, frankly. I um, think um, I, I particularly like his work with Ben Templesmith with... Um, oh, what's it called? The guy. Um, <laughs> what's Bell. it called? The guy. Brilliant. Bell. Um, which had book two written until um, until one of us has a laptop nicked or lost it and lost book two. So it took forever for book, for book two to rematerialize. But what uh, I like Ben Templesmith's art and but and uh, Warren Ellis wrote Fell and yeah, book two. I haven't read book two. I think it has eventually come out, but um, yeah, it worked together very nicely. Okay. Also, like, I also like Ben Templesmith's solo stuff. Absolutely barking mad. You ever read any Wormwood? It's really nuts. No, it's no, sick. no, 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 no. It's sick. It's really good. <laughs> okay. Um, I think possibly the best way to go into the end might be kind of like talk about something we're planning to watch soon. Yes, because we can report yeah. back next time, can't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll start this one. I, I've uh, just bought uh, Monsters um, to have a watch. Um, it is the film that Gareth Edwards did before uh, Godzilla. Oh, oh, uh, that's not the guy, reporter trying to get the girl across the state into the states. Um, oh, that's not, no, that's not it. That is that is it? I, I'm now having to look at the plot because I've not looked too much into it. Thank you, Wikipedia, for failing me. Um, I think that's it. Possibly. Um, if that's it, it's good. It's very good. Uh, oh no, that's it's it's got no kind of uh, synopsis on there. But uh, it, if I was going to guess from the poster, I'd say you're probably right. Yeah, um, I think it's good. yeah, it's good. <laughs> Try to go out next go. Yeah, yeah. If it's the right one, it's good. Yeah, but uh, it's a it's a lower but oh, I've just seen the budget half a million dollars. Um, it's a lower budget film that Gareth Edwards did before doing Godzilla, and I loved the reboot of Godzilla. I know not to everyone's taste. But, I like it. Um, yeah, so that's that. That's on my watch list uh, before we next. Uh, I mean, didn't have Matthew Broderick. I like Matthew Broderick, but didn't have him, so it was, it was good. <sighs> um, I already said I'm going to watch a lot of Killing Eve, which I will. Um, the other thing I would like to watch is a film called Spartan. Um, I, I've watched way too much of um, Adam Savage recently uh, I'm really really enjoying watching Adam Savage fit, um, tested he used to do Mythbusters but builds mm. stuff and does stuff and it's fascinating watching him he just talks through what he's doing especially a lockdown where he does lots more Q&A but is now filming things on his own with his phone or with guidance from the team remotely telling him what to do so um, if, if you want an interesting crossover there's an episode that he's done I don't know where it is I just found it on YouTube um, with a guy called Matt Parker um, who is a stand-up mathematician? Um, mm-hmm. And I think I've watched some of his stuff. Yes. Yeah, he's he's talking with Adam Savage about his book "When Maths Goes Wrong." Oh, um, it, it's a very good watch. I think it's like a forty-five-minute interview, um, and it's uh, just talking about how. Matt Parker finds maths fun, how he made maths fun for Adam Savage in places, um, and the book itself. So I, I, I definitely suggest that one's worth a watch. Cool. 
yeah, so I he recommended, I think in isolation and talking about um, things he likes to watch was about movies. Uh, I'm talking about, he's obsessed with makers and likes watching people make things as well and what he likes to watch on YouTube because somebody asked him in the Q&A. And he really likes David Mamet and he recommended two David Mamet films. One with Gene Hackman called Heist, which I've watched, which I've really enjoyed, which is trying to be a 70s gritty drama thriller but doesn't quite manage it but it's still pretty good and the other one is Spartan that I haven't watched yet which I watched that I think I'd like to watch that as well someone too um, I can find a way of watching it um, William X. Macy and Val Kilmer I like Val Kilmer I know he's not always good but usually worth looking at it's got a reasonable IMDb but I think I can see me having a lot of Killing Eve in the next few weeks <laughs> fair enough okay um, Alex, anything you've got to plan to watch? More Marvel, pretty much. Um, finish off watching that and uh, then move on to the next thing. See, what, 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 what we'll have to do when you're up to date is basically sit here and kind of work through where we think um, all the films are, maybe going from like, you know, what we think are the worst films up to the real top of the uh, the tree. Although that one might take a while, so... There will be some good segues off of those movies into other movies with the actors and directors and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of Marvel does uh, branch out and uh, borrow some very good actors from other places. Things like 21 Bridges and things like that as well springs to mind. Yeah. So, Another uh, time. Mm. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to the Quarantine Film Club. Uh, we'll uh, Mike, just sorry. Sorry. There we go. You carry on. Yep. <laughs> yes, 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 Alex. Oh, no, I'm finished now. Just, uh, okay, to, just uh, make sure you were... You were Nostalgia is a wonderful thing. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to the Quarantine Film Club. Um, we'll hopefully be back for another episode um, when we feel like it, frankly. Uh, I've been Mike. I've been Kurt. I've been Alex. Bye. Say goodbye, Nick. Bye, Nick. Are we carrying that one over, are we? Yeah. been listening to the Quarantine Film Club, an elite cadre production. Music obtained from Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons license, unmodified for show use. Please visit elitecadre.wordpress.com for appropriate attribution details.